2023 marks the 30th anniversary of Parkland's care homes in the north of Scotland. As part of their celebrations, I was asked to produce this series of podcasts called Carecast. I'm Penny Latin-Stewart and I'm a producer and presenter and I've made many documentaries about all manner of subjects over the years. But I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from making Carecast. Like lots of us, I'm probably a bit scared of getting old. And I also have quite a lot of preconceived ideas about what a care home is like. Meeting Ron Taylor, Managing Director of Parklands, who started the company all those years ago, and his team of extraordinarily dedicated and passionate staff has been a true eye-opener, and at times, really emotional. Over the course of this series, we'll go behind the scenes to look at what excellence in care and working hand-in-hand with the local community means in practice. We'll hear from Parkland staff about what inspires them to care. We'll talk to the remarkable people they care for. And we'll also be casting ahead to consider what the future of care will look like in this award-winning, innovative and inspirational company. I hope you're going to enjoy stepping through the doors of Parklands as much as I have. So let's kick off with a tour of one of the homes in the company of Ron Taylor. So welcome to Lymore Care Home. This is the home we built in Grantown in 2018. It's a 40-bedded care home based on a wing concept. Of uh, Each wing is no more than 10 beds. Each wing has its own separate dining area and lounge area. And the rooms are set back from the corridor. Each wing is named after a distillery. My grandfather was a distillery manager. And each wing is after, named after the four distilleries that he managed in his life. So I think this one's Craganmore, which is the one just down in uh, space side here. I left university when I was 22, and at that point, my grandfather, he was the father I never had. My father died when I was very young, so I was more or less brought up by my grandparents, and my father was very close um, to me in particular, so I decided that rather than find a job, I would go and care for him. So I cared for him for nine months and did things as a 21-year-old or 22-year-old I never thought I would do. But it was during those formative times I thought, you know, if I ever, ever got the opportunity to get into the care business, I'd want to make sure that the care I gave him is the care that each and every one of our residents gets. Hello, Linda. How are you? Oh, hello, Rowan. Yes. Thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good, Yourself? good. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for the gifts. You're, you're very welcome. You're yes. very welcome. Was it a lot? Well, I wasn't actually there. I wasn't allowed to go. That oh, was just no, Elaine oh, and Ellie. It was, yeah. Um, they went, away, they went away to New York for five days on their own, girls only. It's Ellie's Elaine's daughter. Uh, so they when they came back, I think, so they brought yeah, her t shirts. Yeah. But yeah. No, I wasn't allowed to go. Okay. No. <laughs> no, you weren't allowed to go? No. <laughs> oh, well, you'll, you'll need to get, get, a, get a men's type again. Well, I am. Well, as you say, I am. You see, I know they went away themselves because I'm going away to Alaska fishing. Oh. My sister Winnie stays in Alaska. Oh, really? Uh, I have to give her an address, I'll look her up. <laughs> we don't speak. Oh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not then. <laughs> okay. Nice to see you. Yes, nice to see Bye. you. But what were you reading at, at university? Was there ambition no, to go into care or was this all. completely left field? Not at all, not at all. Uh, I did a, a degree in business studies and it's something I knew nothing about, but clearly having faced the front line with things that had to be done, care that needed to, to be done, etc., you just muddle your way through. 
Then the time moved on. I did get a job. I worked with Unigate for a few years, and then I come. I came back to. I always wanted to to, to live in the northeast. I went to school in Bucky, and it was very important that I wanted to live my life in the area where I grew up. I mean, my, my passion is fishing. I enjoy skiing, etc. The outdoor life was very important. So I thought, well, I, I don't really want to see myself in a in a city environment. I want to live in, and settle in this rural area. So I, I came back from Unigate, and I joined my mother who had a newsagent in Bucky and I worked with her for seven years. Now in those days newsagent was the only source of communication as it were so there were two newsagents in Bucky and if you needed information you had to go and get the, the, the written word. There was no computers, there was no emails, there was nothing. And I always remember on a Saturday night they um, had a thing called a Green Final uh, which was a sports paper which came out on a Saturday night. And on a Saturday night I used to find myself outside the local bingo hall selling these papers and I made a fortune every Saturday with the tips that you got etc on the Saturday so that kind of inspired me to think I want to start my own business here I can do this so we sold the business my mother retired and we sold the business to John Menzies who um, thought it was quite a good thing to do and then from my share of the money from that we um, I decided to open a care home now armed with the information and and the care that I'd give my grandfather I needed to find out how I could do this so once we sold the, the newsagent, I was appointed as the chief executive of Murray Enterprise Trust, which was a, a company that was set up by the Thatcher Era as at the same time as the local health trusts were set up to help with economic development. So my role was really to help, uh, or, the, or the Murray Enterprise Trust role was very much looking at the growing small business, starting new business and looking for inward investment into the Murray area. So I kind of knew where the pockets of uh, funding were to look at Bucky as a, as a care home facility. At the same time, I became very friendly with two or three of the local GPs in Bucky. And, we, you know, we identified some land outside the, 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 the town boundary in a park, and, and hence the name Parklands. So I set up a company with some of the local GPs, and I wrote the business plan and got all the funding together, and we opened our first one in 1993. Well, good morning, Shirley. Good morning, Jackie. How are we today? All right, yeah. Good. So we're looking at care plans. Um, so just to recap them, we had all our staff away last week looking at care plans. We felt this is probably the biggest single area that we need to invest in moving forward. So what was the outcome of the training, Jackie? So today um, we're looking at the care plans, um, taking out the COVID care plans, because yeah. obviously that's something that we've got to put in the mm-hmm. past and yeah. move forward. Uh, we're looking at... Uh, creating meaningful connection care plans. What's that uh, mean? So basically, it's you know making sure that the residents have things that are important to them, like people that are important to them, right. that they've got a care plan that we can relate to, you know, to make sure that we can carry this forward for them. How, how they keep in contact, what form that takes, whether it be mm-hmm. talking to people on the phone or having a visit with people within the care home or mm-hmm. writing a letter or FaceTime has become quite a popular thing obviously during Covid sure. um, and just about the things that are really important to them, maintaining their general well-being and just their feeling of mm-hmm. value and maintaining sure. connections with everybody. So you had your, your, your business plan yeah. and the funding yeah. and a business vision. Yeah. What was the more personal vision? What was it you were taking from that caring for your granddad that you wanted to bring? And what did you want it to look like from a care perspective? I think it, it was quite clear that I knew we could do this better. The system was flawed. There, there weren't the facilities required um, to cater for people who were getting older. They weren't ill, they were just old and in need of care. And I think the unique selling point for me was 
that there's a gap in the market here to, to, to identify an ageing population. And it's quite funny, actually, quite ironic, that when we built Parkland, there's a lot of local hostility towards it because many people thought it was like a private hospital and the local community hospital was going to close. And this is, you know, the, something that was set up by the private sector. People would have to pay for the health care. It was completely untrue. And, and one or two of the local councillors also held that view. Um, but it, it was, it's quite clear that this was nothing to do with local hospital. This was for older people who were in need of care in their twilight years. And what kind of care? What mm. was your ethos regarding care in particular? Well, if, if I looked towards my own example, my own experience with my grandfather, he was 84. He was of very much a sound mind, but he had gone off his legs, as it were, and, and just couldn't cope. His mobility uh, was a bit of a problem. But, but the sad thing was, he was still with us. He was still there. He just needed help. And, and you know, in those days, there weren't hoists available. There were issues with incontinence as well. I felt the incontinence products were very poor. The help um, um, from the medical profession was very poor. And I thought there are so many gaps in the market here. This could be done far, far better. And I think from the conversations I had with the, the three GPs that we set up the company with, they too felt there was a huge gap in the market uh, missing for people who were ageing. And I think, you know, in the last 30 years, it's incredible, uh, there's the Beatles song, Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me When I'm 64? Well, I'm 64 now, you know, and, and that's the thing. And I like to think I've got another 20 years in front of me, at least 20 years, and I think most people do as well. I still think I'm 17 in my brain. My body tells me differently, but I still feel I'm 17. I think that's important as well. So mm. to, to take the idea of park and, and growing yeah. in a park from mm -hmm. acorns... Yeah. We get oaks. How did that all grow? Well, How did it go from the very beginning? So we opened Parkland's in 1993. We formed a limited company with the local GPs, and it went very well. In many ways, the GPs gave it credibility because it's therefore saying that you know we've identified a medical need in the community, and that these guys had probably see, they could see on a day-to-day -day basis. It filled almost immediately. But a, a year later, our regulator, the Care Commission, as they were then took a very dim view of GPs having a financial stake in a care home to which they were referring. So um, in 1994, they sold the shares out and then just I bought them back. So it was so a solo run from then on in. I think Parklands in, in Bucket, we'd built a reputation. I knew exactly how we should deliver, the, although I didn't have a health background. And I think that's quite important as well. It was very intuitive. And a lot of the girls had never uh, worked in care either. So this is new for them. I said, well, look, just go with it. Go, go have fun. These you know, lovely people who have led fantastic lives are going to come in, their joy, their smiles, their stories, etc. All we need to do is make their life a bit brighter every day. Right, one more time. Ron, tell me a bit about the decor of the care homes because, and, the, and the art, because right. I have noticed both in, in walking around but also in the office when we were talking, um, the art's really quite striking. So what's the whole thinking behind how the, the places look? It, it, it's very much part of the, 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 the image we want to create. When residents or their relatives come in, what we want to do is create the wow factor in the reception area. Uh, we wanted to uh, tell people, look, look, this is what we do, and you know, we've got contemporary art in the walls, which is very important. All the corridors are quite wide, so they are kind of rooms in themselves. We have chairs in the corridors here. People can stop and look at the, the, the artwork. This is Jolomo uh, pieces. Uh, each one is different. We've got some individual uh, uh, paintings of Granton and the, and the um, surrounding areas. 
And it's very important that it creates a discussion, it creates a conversation, if nothing else. You'll also notice that there are no zimmers, that there's no wheelchairs, and there's no hoists anywhere near the reception area. People don't like to be reminded of their infirmity. So they are hidden away in specific areas, and they are used, and indeed when we need to use them, it's the formal bits, but yet the informality is at the front. In 1993, we, we, we sat down and we came up with four values, company values, and these values are just as relevant today as they were in 1993. And it's all about working together. It's very important. We have fun. But, you know, when you swing your legs out of bed in the morning, you go to work, you think, yeah, I look forward to going to work today. Working together, a good place to work uh, is important, but also professionalism and the fourth one, respect and trust. So we, we still use these four values and it's very open and transparent. Everybody knows what we stand for and, and that's it. And we use these values in our supervisions, our appraisals, etc. So all the staff can always relate back to how we started and what we stand for. When people come in, we offer them a chance and we have four mood boards so we can change the curtains, change the bed pro, and change the chairs uh, to reflect the colours that they want. So there are four choices as well. So it makes it more individual for them. Um, and each bathroom has its own, um, it's, it's effectively a wet room. Um, so it's, you know, in 2023 it's what people are looking for. What we find now is a lot of people are not only looking for en suites, but they're looking for CAD 6 cabling in the rooms. And I thought, what the hell's CAD 6 cabling? And it's all about the digital transformation. They don't want to watch Homes Under the Hammer anymore. They want to watch box sets. They want to watch The Crown and stuff like that. You know, as things move on, it's incredible. Older people are becoming far more discerning now than they ever were before. Looking through the window, the gardens are looking fabulous at the moment. The Montbriche is just fiery red, um, loads of purple from the, the lavender. And is that a farm shop you've got at the back there? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a, we, we, we opened a shop, so it, it's like a destination, if you like, so the, 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 the residents can go out and, and, and get toiletries and uh, sweeties, etc., and, and, and pay for them as they would normally do in any other shop, and then just take them home again. Um, and a day like today, for example, we, we hopefully we'll open that in the afternoon, so people can go out and enjoy the afternoon, get something to eat, have a sweetie, and a cup of tea, and a home bake, and then maybe go home again, back to their, to their room or their wing, as it were, so to speak. So we opened in 1993 um, and we stabilised, and then in 1997, the Murray Council put out a, a press release to say that they wanted to sell three of their own homes. They wanted to restructure how they, they, they operated uh, social care, and they put out a, a tender for sale. So we, we started, we, we, we bought into the tender, as it were, and um, in 2000 we were chosen as the preferred contractor uh, for Murray Council to take over three homes, one in Bucket, one in Keith and one in Aberlour. Now that was probably our biggest pivotal moment in the sense that here we were now taking over a company three times bigger than ourselves. You know, there's lots of squeaky bum moments, I can tell you. But we had to sit down and say, well, how can we do this? And it was even, a lot of people thought you couldn't do it because here we were taking uh, three homes operated in the public sector coming into the private sector. But one of the things we do, we do very well. We operate in small rural communities. We know how they work. And the, the, the values, the attitudes, and these expectations in these rural communities are just the same. So by sitting down with the staff and saying to them, look, we can only do this with your mutual consent. And this is what we want to do, and this is how we want to do it. And it worked. A lot of the things that we thought we couldn't do, we did do with their consent and jointly. And it's working very well for us today. That initial idea of, I just want to care for people, 
the way my granddad needed to be cared for. Yeah. Was it difficult to, to hold on to that when suddenly you were going to be four times the size? Actually, no. That was the easiest part. A resident detra was it were, to, to provide good care. Person-centred, good care, and that's it. Always, first and last. And I think, like anything else, if you get that right in any other business, you know what you're doing. The rest should follow. You know, the the, the business side of it should follow. We've always kept the business side to, to, you know, to, to on the on the back burner simply because cash and care don't go well together. But sadly, you know, over the last couple of years in particular, they are at the forefront. And we see that you know the way the NHS is run as well. It's all about budgets, etc., putting the appropriate amount of uh, facilities and sort of money in the right place at the right time. So. Getting back to your point, it's all about the care that we deliver on a day-to-day basis. We get that right, everything else would follow. Business or cash and care is, is mm. a, a... Contentious. A, yeah, it's a difficult combination. Yeah. So I'm interested, as a businessman, which we, you clearly are, how did you define success? What did you set out as being your successful parameters for, for Parklands from the get-go? Because it might have been about money. But actually, as we've heard from the get-go for you, it was about care. Yeah, yeah. We sat down and we've, we've drawn out a plan and a page. And this is our dashboard about the, the key areas of success. And they're all about delivering the care. I think the care develops a reputation, develops a talking point, etc. And it's a very emotive subject. A lot of people, even now, 30 years later, people entering the, the care sector for the first time or you know, having to put their mum or their dad into care, it's an absolute minefield. You know, having the tools uh, to provide good care, that's the starting point because that, that's what attracts people in. It's not the fact that we have a nice home. It's very important to develop our facilities. But it's the people that, that are there and you can see it. And each and every one of them is an ambassador for Parklands in these small rural communities, in the local pubs, uh, at the weekends, etc. You know, they can identify with us and with our brand. And it's very humbling, actually, to be, to be quite honest. One thing that strikes me listening to you, Ron, is that I think a lot of us can fear ageing. We yeah. fear seeing age in our loved ones and we fear it in ourselves. I'm really interested that as that 21-year-old, mm-hmm. you didn't fear it, you stepped towards it yeah. and embraced it. And it sounds like actually there was a lot of really rewarding stuff for you in, in taking that care with your, your yeah. granddad. It was yeah. actually really special. It's, it's funny sitting there. I didn't know until I, you know, we had these moments um, together sitting down there. You know, he went away at 17 in the First World War and was wounded twice uh, in France, um, um, etc. And came back. These are things I never knew about him. And you think, wow, gee whiz. You know, he was, um, you know, and it's, it's some of the stories and the things he did in his life. And you see that replicated in all of our residents. I remember we had one resident, probably about two, three years ago, who was the first front-page Vogue model in 1923. But she must have been an absolute stunner in her day. It's incredible. And this particular lady, everybody has their own personalities. This particular lady wanted a room to live in and a room to paint in, so we gave her two rooms. But she kept her bedroom at minus two on the belief that as the fridge slows down bacterial decay, she thought if she kept her room at minus two, that slowed down her and extend her life. It didn't. But she did live to about the late 90s, I think it was. So, but all these people, but it might have done it. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, so everybody has a story. Everybody has a backstory about what they've done. And it's fascinating. You know, some people have been in MI5, MI6. You think, 
My God, good faith. And it's fascinating just to sit down and hear these people tell the stories about what they've done. Hello, I'm Mr. Lawrence McLean. I'm 84 years old. I'm an Aberdonian by birth, an ex-military man, and I've been around the world quite a bit, Aden and Singapore, where unfortunately I contracted poliomyelitis, and that put an end to um, really being able to walk at all. However, I did recover a bit, and uh, I'm a musician basically always since I've been 12. I've been playing in orchestras and bands and things. It's a wonderful, wonderful place, right? They're, they're all so helpful and friendly, you know, and uh, that's, that's, it couldn't be better, really. The, the staff are all very good and tolerant of me, you know, which is, when you think about it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lovely. I mean, uh, these beautiful lounges and, and places, you know, they've got an organ and they've got a piano. I'm a pianist. So what more could you want, you know? The only other thing I want is an audience to listen to me, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm Betty here. And tell me what it's like staying here. What is it, uh, what do you like about it? What, if anything, feels special about it? What do you enjoy most? Absolutely everything. I, I mean, it's better than being on my own, in my own house. Lonely, nothing to do. There's people here to talk to, lovely surroundings, plenty of activities, lots going on, nice company and good weather. <laughs> Is there anything you wish you'd done differently with hindsight? Done differently? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, there are many, many mistakes along the way that you just got to, um, you know, uh, as I say in Bucket, it could be a smack in the mouth, but you just pick yourself up, dress, dress yourself down and keep going. But no, so I wouldn't do anything differently. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be where we are, um, etc. And, and still, still here to be able to deliver the care that we do. Uh, and still looking at new opportunities. And, you know, here we are 30 years later, more and more opportunities are coming our way. It's just a question, can we do it? Do we want to do it? Do we have the staff to do it? You know, it's 64 now, should I not be slowing down? I thought, no, you know, I'm just gonna go on, it's to infinity and beyond here. I'm just gonna keep going and, until then, well, until whatever. We have passion, I have passion, and all the people working in the homes have passion to deliver good care. And it's humbling to go in on a daily basis to see her. And that's probably one of the things that keeps me going, seeing what we do to help other people enrich their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of people have a, they have a, a sort of conception of what a care home is. In the last 20 years, it's changed. It's now independent living in a care home setting. Our strapline is our family caring for years. And I often say to staff, well, what we're doing is taking their mum or dad from their family into our family. And the only thing that should change for them is the postcode. The care we deliver, it's the same care they would deliver at home, but we can do it better than they can. The dining area here is, is there for the residents. Uh, you see the lunch menus on the table. But the thing is, they can come in at any time. They don't have to have lunch at lunchtime as such. If they want it later on in the day, they can do it. If the relatives come in, we've got separate facilities here. One of the things that was very important uh, to us that 
um, in the, uh, these small wings. If they want toast, they can smell the toast. It's made from a toaster for them. It doesn't come on a trolley, a bit like a hospital. And the same as the, um, the coffee and the, the tea, it's made from a kettle in the morning so they can hear that as well. Uh, things that you would normally associate with living at home. We have ligatati soup as a starter. We also have uh, uh, sandwiches if somebody doesn't want this. Or we can have a soup and a sweet if that's what they prefer. And the main course is mince, steak mince or vegetable lasagna. With roast potatoes and cabbage on the side as well. And, the, and the, as a pudding, it's toffee, apple crumble and cream. And that'll be down a storm. Because everybody, I think most people have a bit of a sweet tooth. And you can just tell that's going to go. Everything's homemade on the premises on, on the day. Food is such an important part of their lives. It's the thing that is most talked about. It's the thing that the relatives talk about when they come in. You know, what do you have for your lunch? Oh, the mince tatties or the lasagna, for example. Yeah, the vegetable lasagna is all made by hand, but have a look in the kitchen. It's not bought in, so it's something that's prepared for them. And that makes a big difference. It really does. To prepare the food daily is, is something that we pride ourselves in. With that strap line then, our family caring for yours, mm-hmm. am I right in thinking your mum is now being cared for? Yes, she is. She is 94 and it's quite um, it's surreal, actually, quite strange looking at it from the other side. So I have two brothers, so it's a very male environment. And it's it was difficult to come to the conclusion that you know our mother needed care. She lives independently and has done for, for, for quite some time. She was a fanatical bridge player, so her brain was very active. And she helped me with our dogs, etc., to babysit for that sort of thing, and the kids as well. <laughs> dogs first, kids second. So it was weird to, 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 cut, to come to a conclusion to realise that she couldn't live on her own anymore. She needed help. And, and so now she's been uh, diagnosed with senile dementia. We, we had to, to act, and fortunately, we um, uh, managed to get a place for her in uh, Parklands and Bucky, where she is now, living very well. Good days and bad days, I'd have to say. Um, she is not settled down as, as well as we anticipated, but she's, you know, she, she's now talking about going home now, which is good, which is going home to the care home. But she's still of sound mind, and she enjoys to get out. I mean, I took her out the other day, and I said, look, I was just passing, I was around some of the other homes, and I just popped in for five minutes to say hello. And she said, have you got half an hour to take me out for a wee run? I thought, oh yeah, I can take you out, no problem at all, let's go. And she said, well, I have to go to the toilet first. And I thought, that's fine. And she turned to sit, and she turned around and said, now, Going to the toilet doesn't include my half hour. That's not included in my half hour. And I thought, nope, fair enough. Yeah, we'll give you a half hour before we get back. So she's out there as the same Bucky. So um, yeah, she's settled down well. And it's all about the people. It's the pe- how she's cared for. She's treated like a queen in, in, the, in, in the care home, as indeed all of our resident kings or queens, they are treated as very special people. I've had uh, a very nice experience here with the with all of the staff, the nursing staff and the, and the caring staff, that it's, it, it's just that everybody, if you have a problem during the night or whenever, they, they run to your assistance immediately mm-hmm. and you couldn't ask for better. Tell me about a bit about yourself, Mike. Where are you from originally, and what what did you do in life? I was I was born in uh, Queen Charlotte's Hospital in, in London, and uh, nineteen thirty eight, uh, and shortly after that, uh, the war came out, came along to upset everybody, and we were evacuated. Uh, yeah. oh, oh, I went to uh, went to Norwich, in Norfolk, uh, and. 
again we were evacuated because of the uh, various places that were subject to, <coughs> to bombing raids. Because <coughs> that, that part of uh, Britain was um, want to be to be bombed because of the, there were so many airfields there. And uh, that being one of my father's air, aircraft. Uh, yeah, middle the middle one. The, the middle one, Vickers And just behind you there, there's a, uh, I had a, um, an oil painting made of, uh, of the, the Wellington. And of course, of course the, the Spitfire that everybody knows. And what did you do in life? What, what was your career? Uh, when, I, uh, when I left, I left school, I um, went for about a year. I went to work for the Norfolk Norwich Hospital Management Committee, uh, and I, when that, that year expired, I I went to join the the RAF, and that was twenty two years of my life expended during that, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And after the RAF, I joined Shell, again, which I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We lived for 32 years in Houghton, just, just up, up the road. and uh, We've enjoyed every single moment yeah. of being here, haven't we? Yes, it's such a lovely place. Oh, it is. It's just absolutely wonderful. Everything's just, well, that's it. I've loved it, you've loved it. Still do. Mm, so do I. What do you think your granddad would have made of this? I think he'd be very proud, actually. You know, it's, it's funny, I even get emotional now, even thinking about him way back in, in, in 1984. Um, yeah, I think if he thought, my God, look what you've done now with, with the, the, when we started, the conversations, the precious moments we had together, etc., when you think, you know, the Parkinson's group were sown, the seeds were sown during those years, or during that time with him, etc. I think, yeah, he'd look down and say, wow, good on you. You're still delivering the care you gave me. And that's, that's the key to the success. Carecast is produced by Adventurous Audio.